Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Eric DeVries. Eric is the founder of Real-Time CPAs and the man who recognized a shift coming to the accounting industry. He has over 20 years experience in tax, accounting, and technology with over 11 years in public accounting. He enjoyed his time at PricewaterhouseCoopers on their national team, creating and rolling out new technology, later working with Devo- De- Deloitte for several years, and then in the tax department with Daimler Chrysler's North America unit for a few years. And then he decided to build a different kind of CPA firm. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell us about this different kind of CPA firm. Well, you know, the term dental uh, CPA gets thrown out a lot in the industry right now. And, you know, really, I don't think a lot of people understand what that truly means in that we only have dentists as clients, uh, what what I do every day. In fact, I enjoy it. I probably talk to three, four or five dentists every day somewhere uh, in their journey. And, you know, what I learn from one dentist usually is transferable into an experience with another dentist. And by having these conversations over and over and over again over the last 13 years, uh, I've gotten pretty good at solving people's problems. So um, it, it goes way beyond just the, you know, profit and loss and the the labs and supplies and, and categorizing things. It's, it gets more into, you know, the whole lifestyle of what they're trying to do. And recently, uh, we've been trying to help uh, buyers navigate through this minefield of uh, trying to acquire dental practices, which has gotten really crazy uh, over the last five to 10 years with all the new buyers that are in the marketplace. It's just absolutely incredible. So uh, we've been trying to work with these young associates, uh, steering them through uh, the buying process. Well, let's talk about the buying process for men, because, you know, you would think the only buyers out there are DSOs based on what you hear. And of course, DSOs tend to pay more than individuals do, but everyone wants to represent the seller you don't hear a lot about people representing buyers. So talk a little bit about that. that that's a great lead in actually, because that's really where we're different. We're a CPA firm. That's the honest truth. It is what it is. And you know the way to get clients is to help them uh, buy practices. So by necessity, that's how we came into this um, different machine here. It's called For Sale by Dennis.com, the number four, four sale by Dennis.com. And uh, we aggregate all of the uh, listings that are out there uh, in the marketplace and streamline that and shoot them out to the buyers uh, so that they're on equal playing field with these big groups. The sellers are just inundated with all of these unsolicited uh, marketing materials. And it's not just the Heartlands anymore, you know, or even, you know, the DCAs or the Smile Brands. You've got these new players, which are, you know, mid-level, I'll call them entrepreneurial dentists even, that are trying to get to five to 10 to 15 practices. Uh, You know, I've got people in Miami that are looking all over Florida 
and they've got a relationship with associates and they're buying practices and putting in associates. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, that's competition, right? So, you know, the, the dental student that graduates and does a couple of years and then wants to buy, they just don't walk up to a seller like they used to 20 years ago. There's so much competition uh, for that dental practice that, you know, they say, Eric, I can't find one. Like they're all gone or the ones that I do find, you know, aren't really worth my time. And that's just because of the crazy competition. So uh, we're trying to level the playing field for the associates. And again, because we're a dental CPA, we're kind of promoting and waving the flag uh, for the associate to purchase. Uh, We try to create more of a level playing field, uh, giving them the same tools that these big groups have uh, in trying to find dental practices. Is it possible for, you know, if I'm an associate and, uh, you know, I know you and I'm like, Eric, I want to buy a practice. Is it possible for me to compete with a DSO or a mini DSO? Because are they not typically going to pay more than I would? Yeah. And and that's a great question. So, you know, they usually pay on EBITDA, right? Because they don't have the chair side clinical work that the associate does. By the way, let me go on my daily EBITDA rant. I'm not sure that people realize this. You do as a CPA that Mm -hmm. EBITDA is calculated differently by every organization because it doesn't fall under generally accepted accounting principles. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, that's, that's another issue you have to navigate. And you'll hear that too with your, you know, your golfing buddy that says, oh, they paid me eight times EBITDA, but what is EBITDA, right? What was your number that they paid on, right? So it's definitely a moving target. But you know, a, a step higher than that is that these large groups or, or groups of what nature will pay on that. And you're right, they'll pay a higher fee, but they have you know contingencies that go into that, right? It's just an algebraic equation. Well, on that. And, and let me interrupt you because let's suppose... You started 8X EBITDA. Let's suppose you're, they'll sell you for 8X EBITDA. Well, your EBITDA is a million dollars, so you're going to get $8 million. Your million, but by the time you're done, your EBITDA is at 700000 and now you're not getting eight. Now you're getting 5.6 and not eight. That's the that's the game. You're, you, they play. Is By the time it's all said and done, the DSOs are trying to knock you down 30%. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to that, actually. That So we'll stick on that for a second. Your EBITDA and their EBITDA are completely different animals because your EBITDA, now I'm talking to the sellers, your EBITDA is based on what you're doing right now, your lab bills, your supplies, your payroll, your HR, and the amount of collections that you're driving through your practice. That's that's how your EBITDA is being calculated. When they suck you into their machine and then they pull out the HR component and they drive your labs down and drive your supplies down, and now they're running 450000 per column through your practice that you are lucky to get 300 because of their marketing campaign and their treatment planning, their case acceptance, that EBITDA is way bigger than what you have. And they know that. So they know what they're looking for. So, you know, that's why they're paying these big EBITDAs. But so now let's go to the next part of this. Be careful because what will happen is their first offer is never their best. Let's just get that out in the open right now. And I do represent these groups, by the way. So I can tell you their first offer is never their best. And secondly, that when you do this, each deal is a snowflake. Every deal is different. Even the heartlands that have this tried and true, this is the way uh, type mentality, they fiddle uh, with those deals too. Everybody fiddles. And so there could be equity roles. So your case with the $8 million uh, EBITDA that you're going to get paid. Well, maybe only 4 million comes in cash at closing. 
and three million comes in a in a holdback, and one million has to get rolled into equity. So the cash at closing is what you really want to pay attention to because everything else is let's just say it's a gamble, right? Like well, that is all in good faith on what's going to happen next. I call the rolled into equity number the unicorns and fairy dust number because mm-hmm. they act like it's like you're buying Google at IPO or you're buying Facebook at IPO, and you're yeah. just going to be the next you know gajillionaire. Yeah. There's so many factors that go on to that. Like, you know, when you do your roll up, what's the market cycle look like? And who knows? So, and I don't know how many people actually seen the roll up happen. It's all mm-hmm. conjecture. So yeah. is that- Sometimes they do. I, I've got clients that have done very well. I've got clients that have done very well on those, but I've also had clients that are still holding equity, right? And here's the scary thing is everybody's talking about the cheap money that's been rolling around in 2022. And I'm going to put my economist hat on. But with all the new hikes on interest right now, that cheap money is drying up. And all the gunpowder that's sitting on the sidelines right now that got pumped into private equity that they're sitting on that they have to deploy right now, that's all going to get deployed in Q1 and Q2. So there's still a frothy market for the big groups to like purchase the M&A side. But predictions are that's going to start to slow down uh, late Q2, Q3 when they burn through all of that. So, you know, what does that mean for you, Mr. Seller, where you've got these deals that are being presented to you, but they may say things like, you know what, you know, we're going to we're going to roll this back up again in two years from now, because that's the equity play that the unicorn fairy dust that you were talking about. Well, that was all good in 2022. Cash was cheap and, and the new entrancements were coming out hand over fist. Right. Well, what's about 24? Nobody knows what's going on in 24. So, you know, I don't know. Right. So this is a point to have representation. Don't take the first deal. Let's have an honest sit down conversation. Let's walk through the deal and figure out what your next step is. It could be right. It totally could be a great play, but we need to go slow. I see so many dentists, so many sellers that just jump, right? And they put themselves in awkward positions for a lot of different reasons, but they end up you know, hitching their wagon to sometimes a completely unsolicited offer, which is never the best offer. Um, so I'm kind of going on a tangent there. I mean, I, I've seen, I mean, there are definitely for all the the amazing, I love that I sold stories. There's just as many, I wish I hadn't sold bad experience stories out there. Now we're recording this in January, 2023. It won't air for a couple of months, but are you seeing the market slow down from a DSO perspective? DSO? No, not yet. No, not yet. It's, it is fast and furious still in Q1. Uh, 2022 was a record year for acquisitions. I mean, so many brokers are driving around their brand new S Mercedes. It's ridiculous. So uh, it was a crazy M&A year, 2022. And it's still happening right now Um, in certain markets. Like there are, you know, what the industry is looking for, right? I mean, if you fit that bill, I could move you to about five different buyers in about 24 hours. Uh, so so the market capital is still there. Banks are lending like crazy. Uh, some of the big ones are going all the way up to 100% financing, where in years past, they would start to choke at 80 or 90% of annual collections, three-year average. But because of COVID, you know, even though that's starting to wane out, they're kind of doing this uh, quasi approach on their averaging. And they're, they're actually, the gates are open. You know, it's, it's not that the banks are getting more real, um, tight. Uh, the banks are still lending hot and heavy uh, in this space. In fact, one of the big banks just rolled out a new product that is going after the entrepreneurial uh, dentist that I spoke of earlier. You know, somebody that has a practice 
and they're going to hub and spoke four or five other brick and mortars around it. Well, in years past, banks would start to pump the brakes, those types of deals, because they only liked the doctor that was working share side in that practice, which had like a 0% fail rate. It is the safest money ever. So the banks, you know, fall all over themselves. Um, but they, they weren't really excited about that entrepreneurial side. Well, now one of the big banks in the last 12 months has got a, this new line of credit up to $5 million. So they'll debt consolidate their previous and then give them a line of equity to make maybe one or two or three more purchases, depending on, you know, the strike box of the of the of the buyer. So uh, anyway, my point is, it's still hot. Uh, 2023 Q1, Q2, still crazy hot on the seller market side. So if a DSO is going to pay an 8x multiple in my example, what is a buyer who's an associate that is trying to strike out on their own? What what yeah. what what are they going to pay? What can they pay? Or what yeah. can they responsibly play? And mm-hmm. do you have to, because I know some dentists hate DSOs. 100%, and, yeah. And so do you have to find one of those dentists who is like, I'm trying to pay it forward. I don't want to mm-hmm. sell my soul, quote unquote, to corporate dentistry. What's that look like? Yeah, for sure. So I will tell you, I've been doing this for, I don't know, about 10 years now. And I will tell you, even four or five years ago, I would talk to somebody and say, like, hey, I got a buyer. Uh, that's looking, and I represent everybody, I represent individuals, small groups, big groups. I even represented Heartland, all right? So like I, I do all over. So I call the seller and say, hey, I got a buyer. You know, are you interested? And I would say, these are all your options. And when I got to the group side, I was like, hey, this is an option. They're looking for a partnership. Uh, that You'd work post-sale three to five years. There'd be a little bit of holdback, but, you know, it's a great stuff. They would just scream and shout, I'm not selling to corporate those da-da-da-da. Nine out of ten. Nine out of 10, maybe as early as four or five years ago. <laughs> then they right? saw the number from the other person. Like, well, oh, well, <laughs> well, fast forward. Okay, seriously, fast forward to 2022. And I would say I'm still having these phone calls. And I would say five out of 10. Five out of 10 is a decent number that still say, Eric, I'm not doing it. Like, I, I want to walk. I don't want no holdbacks. Why am I going to sell and work three years for 30% of collections? I'm just going to ride it out. And then, and they'll say silly things like, well, I'll just walk away from the whole thing and let it go up in smoke, you know, or whatever. But my point is four or five years ago, that number was nine out of 10, maybe even nine and a half out of 10 would say, no way, not doing it. 2022, it's like 50, 50. So my point is it is starting to come down where more and more, and this is where you're seeing this aggregation of, you know, the aggregation migration is what I call it. And it's real. It's not as bad as vets. Vets are horrible. Thank God you're in dentistry and not veterinarian right now, because the consolidation is at hyperspeed. It is hyperspeed in that space. But for dental, don't make, and vets don't make as much money as dentists, which is interesting. No. And, and all their, t- I mean, we're having a hard time with hygiene. I'm really going all over the place right now. We should probably do a tighter job here, but you know, hygiene is really hard to find right now, right? I mean, they're getting stupid rates up in New York. I've seen like 50 bucks an hour and they've got these horrible PPOs like Empire. I shouldn't say names right now, but like they're giving like $45 for a profi. You can't even, you can't even do it. Well, in the, in the vet space, uh, they can't find lab techs anymore, right? So that they're stuck, right? Because they're all going into, you know, nursing instead of vet. I'm getting off track. But my point of that story though, is that yes, um, you have to, you can still find 50%, I would say 50% of the people I talk to still don't want to deal with DSOs. So there's still a lot of runway. Is it, because, is it because they don't want to stay three to five years or is it because they just don't like the whole 
concept of yeah, yeah so now there's a pie chart right so the, the first thing is you know let's just chop the pie one time and my first chop at the, the pie or the cake or whatever you want to call it is will you sell to a group or not right so that's the first cut and i would say that used to be 90 percent said no and now it's kind of 50 50 but of that 50 percent, like what's the real reason was your second question it's a handful, right? You know, some of it's like, they don't, you got to remember these sellers, this is their baby. Like they built this. They have so much pride in their practice that to, for them to give it to somebody else and let go of control, but still have to be there. It's kind of a tough nut, right? For for some people. So, so there's that. Uh, there's the equity play too, where, you know, the game for the DSO is to buy as many excuse me, to buy as much EBITDA again, to buy as much EBITDA for the cheapest price. That's it. Boom. One sentence. What is the DSO trying to accomplish? To buy as much EBITDA for the cheapest price, period. That's it. And so they don't want real estate a lot of times. Now, the smaller groups do. That's an interesting play. But they don't want real estate because it's a non-performing asset. And they want to get as much you know, as they can. So they don't want to give you cash at closing. That's my point. They don't want to give you cash at closing. They want to give you just enough so that you'll do the deal. And traditionally, you know, dental practices sold for 70 to 90 cents on the dollar. So ironically, the cash at closing was somewhere around 70 to 90 cents on the dollar. And then everything else was an equity roll up or a carve out or a hold back or something like that. Now you're seeing dental practices actually increase. So this is valuable to the seller side and just a piece of information for the buyers. You know, the, those 70 to 90% collection practices are now going for 80 to 100. It's going up, right? And people are like, well, that's crazy. But when you look at everything else, like again, veterinarians, they're doing 110% of collections, 115% of collections. CPA firms like myself, we're doing 100, 110, 115%. So these service-based industries are already at 100, 110, 115%. Dentistry, for whatever reason, has just been lagging, right? Well, the secret's out. Like, everybody knows they're the battle of the ball, and they're chasing EBITDA. So these prices are going up. They're not going down. So, so that's another little tidbit for both sides of the story. So we, we talked a lot about, you know, helping buyers buy practices. And that's a, and that's, that's a, a very unique value proposition that no one is doing. Yeah, because most it. of these people, and you do this nationwide. And yeah, so it's not it. like, I mean, you're based in Florida like I am, but it's not like you're just doing it in Florida. You're doing it nationwide. Houston, you know, Austin. A lot of, a lot of these guys are fault flying kind of Han Solo, if you will, on their own and, you know, making mistakes the, the hard way, unfortunately. But so what I'm seeing here, though, is so you do a lot of value add for the buyer standpoint. You also are full accounting firm for uh, a full accounting firm for dentists. So let's talk a little bit about that. What do you see as some common mistakes that dentists are making in regards to their taxes and their accounting that um, maybe a non-dental CPA isn't catching. Yeah. And so there, there is that. And that's a whole nother topic of like profitability and things like that. And we do. And, and so that's the value add of working with a dental CPA. So, I mean, I can just snap a quick story that I just talked to, to uh, Dan in uh, Houston this week. So he was trying to do collections, right? So he's trying to drive collections and uh, case acceptance. He's doing like $2 million. He's fine, right? But he wants to do more. And so he was having a problem with keeping on top of all of his treatment plans. So he went back to his hygiene and his assistants, whoever was in the room when the treatment plan was presented, 
he started holding them accountable. So he told me that he went to the dollar store or whatever, bought all these little notebooks. They had like giraffes and penguins and alligators and whatever on the front. And he gave each one their own little notebook. And he said, you're going to be held accountable for all of these treatment plans that if you're in the room, I want you to follow up on anything over $1,500, right? And so uh, twice a month, he has him come in uh, to his office and goes through all the treatment plans, right? Because he doesn't have time to do all of these things here. He does the big cases, but he was seeing an opportunity for these smaller cases. So, because, and I'm stepping ahead of myself because I saw the jump in his reports because we work with them every month. And it's like, your collections, you had a great month. It's like, do you have a couple big cases? Says, no, it's just the opposite. I have a bunch of small cases because I started having these girls accountable. And so they're making the phone calls in between saying, hey, Dr. Dan wanted to follow up with that treatment plan. We'd really like to get you in by the end of the month. You know, can we go ahead and book you, you know, in February, like whatever. And he said, Eric, it is working. Like it is totally working. And so I took that little nugget. And so when I'm on all these calls on my monthly CFO calls and, you know, collection starts to pop up, well, guess what? I go to the well, I go to one of my stories and I, I just throw that out there. Does it work for everybody? No, but you know, why not? But your normal CPA isn't doing that, right? Well, and, and, no, they're, they're absolutely not. And you're, that's almost business coaching right there. Which yeah, but it's free. Well, I mean, it's all paid for, for the CFO package. Right. So, but you're, you're basically doing business coaching because it's all about creating a system that makes the most sense. And that's just really such a, such a value add. And most CPAs aren't doing that. Most CPAs, quite frankly, they're just not thinking outside of the box. For example, I mean, I know, I don't know how much you want to get into it here, but you and I were talking yesterday about a C corporation strategy with health insurance that saves helps create tax savings for dentists. And I want yeah. dentists to know that most of them aren't doing that. And you don't have to give away your secret sauce, but you know, just give a very- and That's just one of them, idea. right? Like, yeah, that's just because over and over again, the difference between a CPA and a dental CPA, right? Is a dental CPA is a specialist. They're in the niche. That's all they're talking to, right? And so I can take something that worked for one person <laughs> I mean, just templatize it, right? Just do it over and over and over again. And so if it works for this person, it's probably going to work for that person. And I've got a lot of them now, right? And so I can sit there and talk to somebody and kind of walk them through within, you know, a half hour. I kind of understand who they are. Like, I know what you're doing. I got it. Here's here's a bunch of things you might want to think about doing in your practice, right? Because I've seen this go both ways. And, and like what we were talking about there is... Um, that what, what we were talking about is what the DSOs are doing, where they strip out profit from the S-Corp. Every dental practice should be an S-Corp and the real estate should be an LLC. Okay, there's free advice. But on the S-Corp, uh, you can strip money out through a management agreement uh, and then have that run through a different entity. So this play was just for the health insurance because you can't take health insurance as a deduction in the S-Corp. Well, I came up with a strategy that you can. And it's bulletproof because the IRS is coming. That's health insurance, I mean, as a small business owner, health insurance is one of the biggest thorns in the side. And a lot of people, they'll do a group health plan, which is insanely expensive. And you recommend more often than not, they shouldn't do a group health plan. They should just pay them a stipend of some amount for health insurance. Yeah, have an accountable plan. And so here, I'm just giving away all the free stuff, but I love you. So here's the thing is that you don't get any of the reward, right? So like you get into a group plan. Okay, great. 
and you're paying Becky, you know, $300 a month for her health insurance. And then guess what? What happens next year? It goes up like 20%, right? Health insurance never goes down, never goes down. So it goes up 20%, right? Okay, great. So now, you know, you're paying instead of what I say, 300, now you're paying 360. Becky doesn't care. Becky just has the same old health insurance, nothing changed. But you just gave her a $60 raise and she doesn't even appreciate it. No, no. Here, you gave her a $720 raise. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, okay, what if we do it the other way where we say, you know what, Becky, you go ahead and get whatever insurance you want. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to set up an accountable plan, which is okay with the IRS. You got to do certain things here. And I just a quick pause. Everybody, please start papering your transactions because the IRS is coming. 87,000 people, that's real. I spend time on the website. You can't click two pages without a job fair of them trying to hire people. So all the stuff that you've been burying and getting away with in the years past, I'm just saying you might want to slow it down or at least paper it, right? So we do the accountable plan. We paper the transaction. We say, Becky, I'm going to give you, shoot, let's go the full 300. I don't care. So we go, Becky, I'm going to give you 300 bucks a month and you buy whatever insurance you want. The only thing you have to do is show me an invoice every month, and then I'll, I'll throw it right on your paycheck, and it's a fringe benefit, meaning it's tax-free. You don't pay income tax on it, and you don't pay payroll tax on it. Becky's happy. You're happy. You capped the $300. So next year, when it goes to $360, right, you don't have to pay the $360. And she goes, oh, doctor, so-and-so, my health insurance went up $60. Bucks. Can you believe that? And you're like, really? That's horrible. And then you say, you know what I'm going to do, Becky? I like you. I'm going to pay the 60 bucks. <gasps> Doctor, you're so great. So you got at least the attaboy if you're going to do it. Or you can say, Becky, I'm so sorry. That stinks. I can give you 20 bucks. or, But it's up to you, right? Like you It also makes job. them, like if they're going on the Obamacare healthcare exchange, all of a sudden now, maybe they're not buying that silver plan. Maybe they're buying the bronze plan. Actually, they now have... Now, now they're motivated to make a decision instead of just being entitled. Mm -hmm. So th these are all the tips and tricks, blah, 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 that, you know, you may, it might, will you figure them out? Maybe, sure. But why not just have those right from day one, right? Why, why try to fix all your mistakes? Learn that stuff up front, right? Like I but tell I this to my you, people. What you said is so critical. It's like, you know, you're a dental CPA, you have X amount of dentists, you can templatize, if we're, I think we're making up a word there, where you could templatize a strategy so it works with this person. Well, you might only need to adjust a little bit to work with this person, then it works perfectly with this person. I need to adjust with this person. Maybe the occasional person doesn't work because every practice is different, but these are things, because if you're the typical CPA, let's say 500 clients and just a smorgasbord of different industries and uh, types of pay, you're you can't just do that. I mean, that doesn't work that way. And so your specificity working with dentists has allowed you to be more efficient and knowledgeable in your planning. Yeah, it's gotten me into like weird stuff, right? Like I'm really in the weeds, not because I want to. It's just I listen. I'm listening to them talk. What about this? What about that? And I say things like, how did you fix it? Like, you tell me. It's like, oh, I did this and it went fantastic. It's like, what was that vendor again? And I write it down, right? And like, and then I talk to my next guy. He's like, oh, I know who you should be talking to. So let's say, you know, let's kind of talk a little bit about like, all right, so you're a dental CPA. 
You talk about the CFO package. Talk about all the things that you do or can do for a dentist. Like, what are some things? Because people hear CPA, oh, he does my taxes. Oh, he might do my bookkeeping. Talk about all the things that you do. Yeah, I try to keep it really simple, right? You know, the the McDonald's of the world, just like a few products. So I I focus on, and and really this is self-serving. I created that whole for sale by dentist as a sales funnel, right? Because I want dental clients. That's all I work with now. So I created this machine to help buyers find their dental practice. So we created this really super affordable, it's seven bucks a week, and it gives them every practice that's out there in the universe. We spray over like that. You're telling me $7 a week. Yeah, I, super get, cheap. I get an online database of every practice. We, every Wednesday, every Wednesday at midnight, all the listings that just popped up in your state go right to your email. So you don't have to search for it. It's like, bing, this, this is everything that's looking for sale this week. So it just aggregates from all the sources on the internet. Yeah, we've got a team that does that. So, 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 but now they're fishing, right? So now I'm trying to get them a dental practice, right? So that's a no brainer. And then if you want to keep up with the big boys, with the groups and the DSOs, we've got a proactive campaign. So we'll send letters out to, these are deals that don't even exist yet. These are doctors that are practicing in the targeted area. So Tucson, Arizona, we've got a client, Tucson, Arizona. So we'll send out a hundred letters, just like the DSOs do. And then we'll cold call just like the DSOs do. And it's all on behalf of that uh, buyer, right? So we try to get him or her uh, a practice that way. I think that's like three fifty a month. But we don't make any money on that because we'll actually do. We actually spend money on the mail, and we actually do um, social media blasts too for them. So they they look just like a big, like the real guy. And we spend that money in advance because we're playing the long game. We're trying to get them as a client, and then once they find one. We have a buyer represent. This drives me crazy. So this is the problem with buyers, right? They're young. They're novices. They don't understand business. And they're penny wise and pound foolish. So I just got off the phone with a guy, Bijan, great guy. And so I walk him through everything. He's got this practice he's looking at. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I explain the buyer rep where it's like, you know, it's usually three to five thousand bucks for somebody like me that's really experienced to walk them through, introduce them to everybody and, and get them across the finish line. But I don't do it like that because I know he doesn't have the money. So I say five hundred bucks a month, super cheap. This way, you know, you've already found the practice. It's about three months, fifteen hundred bucks. Good for you. You got me at half price. Right. He says, OK, that's great. And so we hang up the phone. I send him the letter. Everything's great. Don't hear from him. Then I get a call from the bank and the bank says, hey, you know, are you working with Bijan? And I says, yeah, great guy. He gets it. We're doing, you know, I'll help you out. I said, did you realize that the practice that he's looking at collections dropped from 750 to 600 in the last, you know, 12 months? I was like, no, you didn't tell me that. But he was supposed to give me the documents. I'll take a look and I'll give him a hand. And so I sent him an email and says, Bijan, you know, I just got a call from the bank. Are you sure you still want to do that asking price of, you know, like 500 for this? And he said, yeah, I'm okay. I want, I want to use your services after closing. What he was telling me was that he got it, but he didn't want to pay the $1,500 until he closed. And, and, and here's the kicker. This is not a $500,000 practice. He has so much leverage with the price dropping. It is a no-brainer. I could, I could come back to that seller and say something like, you know, the CPA looked at these. He doesn't see how this, it's a great practice, but, you know, this is really a 450 
you know, if, if I wanted to go super cheap, this is a 450 practice, not a 500. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to meet me in the middle. You know what? 475, let's just get to do talk. That's 25 grand. That's well, 25 but, grand. But, you know, I mean, let's say 1500 so we, so we can spend 25,000 more. I get this all the time. I get this all the time. And, and this is the problem with my buyers is that they're green. They don't understand you need that team, you know, around you. We're talking tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. This happens oh, all the time. I'm going to ask a question that our, my, the listeners may not like it because should you increase your prices so they actually start listening to you more? You, you know, that that could be a comment. I play the long game though. And I'm an educator at heart, honestly. Like I don't, I'm doing very well. Like I've got a big house on the river. I got my family and the car. I don't need them. I take the money. I don't need the money. So like, this is, this is a game for me. Like I really enjoy my life right now. And I love doing this. Like the more people I can talk to and try to like get it where like the light bulb goes on, like think, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like that really does it for me like that. That's what I want. So I, I don't know about the dollars. I, in fact, I'm going the other way. I'm trying to get in front of I, like the $7. Like I'm trying to make it so ridiculous that why would you not do it? Right. And then they start to see the value, right? It's like, oh, okay. So now we're just having a conversation, but it is an issue. And I'm trying to work with my buyers and I'm trying to do podcasts. I'm trying to do um, educational how to like on my website for sale by dentist.com. There's all these instructional videos of walking them through like I'm writing a book, uh, the seven big mistakes uh, when buying and selling dental practices that outline what's happening. Like this is real life examples. And I'll say one, two, three, four, five, this really happened. This really happened. Houston, Texas, Sarasota, Florida, you know, so, North Carolina. So you've talked about what you do for, did this in the buying process. If I'm your dental client now, or like if I was just switching CPAs yeah, and I said, Hey, I, I didn't have a dental CPA. I want a dental CPA or I had a dental CPA. I don't like him for whatever reason. I want to work with you, Eric. What yeah. type of services are you offering? You mentioned the virtual CFO. Talk, yeah. talk about all the offerings you have there. Yeah, three. So I go three on the buyer side and three on the other side, right? So I try to keep it simple. You know, for my young people coming in that are, you know, anywhere between 500000 and a million dollars in collections, um, I've got like a $500 package that does their tax, their corporate tax return, their individual tax return. They get monthly financial statements, all dental specific, kind of very entry level. And uh, it, it's it's great. You know, there's tax planning, no problem. Uh, and then I've got the CFO where you get me like that when you really don't get a lot of the high level stuff. It's more generic, just really your tax returns, but it's done correctly. And it's good. You get into the CFO package, that's when we start meeting quarterly and I start giving you homework and we start brainstorming and we start looking at things. Um, you know, that that's another package. And we can white glove stuff too. I probably got about 10 or 12 white glove clients where, you know, I actually go to their practice and like we go to lunch and we go to dinner and like we hang out and like we're trying to get them, you know, to become these, you know, black belts or or what have you, like visionary type stuff, people that are buying more practices, growing, things like that. that. that that's more of like almost a business consulting type of uh, thing right there. So how can people get in touch with you? Um, where can they learn more about you? How can they talk to you? How, to, how Give us all your information. Yeah. So the easiest one is real-time CPAs, R-E-A-L-T-I-M-E-C-P-A-S.com. That's all of our dental CPA side of the house. And if you're buying or selling your dental practice, that's transaction. 
So that's over here. And that's for sale by dentist.com. The number four for sale by dentist.com. That's the easiest way. And yeah, just look my whole life's on the internet. It seems like, so you can Google me, uh, well, Eric, you can schedule off your website. You can schedule a meeting right off the website. So it's super easy. No. Are there any last parting thoughts you, you might want to share? Yeah. Just, you know, educate yourselves, right? Do these podcasts. Like, you know, this is fantastic. Like financial flossing, like this is, this is great. You know, just something in your background, take nuggets, think about them and, you know, be smart, right? Educate yourself and make good decisions. That's all. That's great, Eric. I really appreciate you coming on today. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. Great. I, I enjoy it too, man. Thanks. Love you. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brand. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.